Watch now as Johan Cruyff demonstrates both grace and poise and explosiveness. This poise and explosiveness from perhaps the greatest player active in the sport of soccer today. He cuts between defenders, goes to his left, and left puts the goal into the back of the net. We are not just uh, what you call underdogs, but massive underdogs. Want Lozano heeft de bal en Lozano maakt het af. Dat is zijn klasse. You have the face that you are Ajax supporters. Really, you can tell that by my face. Krankvist. Ja, dat kan hij blijkbaar ook. Krankvist. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Benefoot Eredivisie podcast. I'm your host Michael Jongsma sitting here with Peter McVitie. Uh, it's been a, an interesting September where PSV run away with the league as far as things look now. Ajax trailing and Feyenoord as well. The real danger is coming from the East though with Heracles doing way better than anyone expected. Um, we'll discuss those uh, teams and others as well. Uh, Peter, how have you been? Excellent, thank you. How are you? Uh, quite good. I mean, uh, it's some way to end the September month with at least a point for Groningen, which is something I can't really be impartial about, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there are teams that pick up more than one point in a month, uh, and one of those teams is PSV. So we might as well just start and discuss uh, the league leaders. Uh, Mark van Bommel still doesn't know what it is to either draw or lose a, a narrative easy game as a uh, football manager, because he's... Um, well perfect you'd say um, maybe not as a person or but um, at least no, as a, maybe. in terms of picking up points as a manager uh, six wins from six the most notable one obviously the uh, 3-0 win against Ajax quite a surprising victory as well and especially the manner of it do you think that the, the title battle is already done with five, a five points gap opening up already no definitely not I mean there's still time for PSV to slip up uh, they are looking rampant, obviously. There was a really convincing win against Ajax. They come out really quickly. Uh, they've got that, they, you can see they've got that kind of endless energy about their attack sometimes that that means that they, 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 they're they never done until the final whistle goes. But there's obviously still room for them to slip up. It's just that Ajax and Feyenoord and, and the like can't afford to slip up before them again. Um, Especially given that PSV's next three league games uh, will be against FVV, Emin and Groningen, and mm. Ajax have beaten those teams, but you don't really expect them to pose any trouble to PSV either. No, no, and that's the thing. Like, like It's hard to pick out where PSV are really going to slip up. Against Nug Breda, who, who we'll talk about a bit later, in the first half, I don't think they even got a... Uh, shot from inside the box in the first half, which is quite disappointing given mm. the, the the team that they have. And we've been praising their attacking options, but they still don't seem to be capable of uh, just going out there dominating a game and just decide the game early. Like I mean, one of the reasons they no, they and when they have, they've kind of it's been broken down through you know fantastic shots and stuff from out from long range. I'd yeah. Say. But that's kind of frustrating because when they do actually get into the box, they are dangerous and, and lethal at times. But yeah, there isn't. Really, they have enough to to not need to do that enough that all, all the time that they can just win games in the area of the way without um, really getting out of second gear at the moment. 
Uh, one, one thing that uh, does help at the moment, Bergwijn didn't have the greatest of months. Uh, I, I'd say Lozano hasn't been great either, but Luke mm-hmm. Jonas seemed to have found his feet again uh, and his head, obviously, because that's quite important with him as well. Uh, scored in his last three league games um, and was quite important against Nag Breda again. He seems to be quite integral in pace face plans, uh, but there was quite some criticism on Van Bommel because against Barcelona, a lot of journalists felt that it would be more sensible to play with a bit more pace up front rather than the slightly static Luc de Jong. Uh, do you think that pace face lack of a uh, well recognizing uh, a bit more variety in attack would be useful uh, as a weakness? Certainly in Europe. Uh, I think in Europe it is going to be a case where um, they will play games where de Jong can easily just be taken out of it and kept really quiet. Uh, and in those, yeah, in those cases they will need more uh, variation in how they play but against uh, uh, when it comes to the Eredivisie you can see that they have enough kind of backup to it that their their attack doesn't revolve entirely around De Jong um, even when Lozano and Bergwijn and stuff are, aren't looking fantastic or Pereiro at times um, yeah it just takes one of them to kind of pull some magic out and, and provide a threat so and that's more lethal against Eredivisie teams, I would say. So I think they probably—it's not the smartest, but I think they can. I think it's—I don't really. I think they—they they are varied enough in that regard to actually be fine without. But yeah, and in, in Europe, it's going to be—it could be a killer. And uh, the the funny thing though is like against Fortuna Sittard, um, Donia Malen managed to, to score from the bench. Not literally, of course. That would be fantastic, but came off the bench and scored um, and it was the fourth time I think PSV had, had an attacker that's, that came on from the bench and scored which is something that PSV hadn't, haven't really been relying on uh, over the last few seasons so it, it's either a, um, a show of strength of their squad or maybe just Mark van Bommel being quite quite keen on tweaking things within a game and when you consider a player like Daniel Malen actually being available already last season you'd be kind of leaning towards the latter ra- rather in that sense. So well, do you think uh, Marlon will eventually break into the uh, into the starting 11? Because he has been like fairly le- lethal when he comes on at times. The so funny thing is that he's basically in the same situation that Bergheim was uh, over the last few seasons where you obviously have a lot of talent and you, but you have some really trusted players in, ahead of you and especially at the moment Luke de Jong is a different type of player so that's something that Van Bommel needs to, to consider if he wants to have like a backup plan play with a bit more of a well fl- more fluidity in attack but in general you're not really going to sub Lausanne or, or Bergwijn soon will you so that's that's a bit of a shame but I, I do like the look of Malin a lot and it seems like PSV have uh, hit the nail on the head with that one as well and you still have Romero coming through as well that we haven't seen him play yet, but yeah. uh, apparently he's still building up fitness, so it's really interesting to see what what's going on there. But they're basically stacked for the next for next season already as well, and yeah. an attack and it's quite amazing. Uh, one thing I I found really quite remarkable as well in this team is that they've made they've made quite a gamble with their fullback positions uh, in getting Angelino, who was a bit of a question mark defensively, and Dumfries, who's a bit more of a question mark uh, footballing wise you'd say <laughs> but both both have really um, hit the ground running and especially the last few weeks they've really been uh, one of the strengths of this team I'd say yeah I, I really like the look of the, the left side I don't think it 
uh, Angelino can play with whoever's on that side. Berfine and Lozano or Freak Switch. He, com- he comes in towards the centre quite a lot. He's one who, even though he's a left-back, does pick out some really good chances and creates a lot for them. I think he it's a really dangerous side and one that, that every, every team has to <laughs> really be aware of. Um, and on the right as well, they have uh, really good combinations with, with Dumfries. But yeah, there's some question marks over them. But yeah, it was really a, a kind of a worry for them after they lost Arias, especially because he was um, just a perennially attacking right back who really was one of the leaders of the team. But with uh, they've kind of supplied a bit of strength and that attacking flair in, in both of those. And they've got a kind of decent balance with when they move forward and when they, they well, when they're kind of reserved I guess yeah and the team maintains with even when Berkline and Lozana both cut in and stuff which mm-hmm. makes a huge difference I think uh, and I was quite surprised that Angelino held up so well in both the Barcelona and the Ajax game defensively because that was the main question mark everybody knows he's got a fantastic left foot he's got that drive going forward he actually created more chances last season than Jethro Willems did uh, in the champion uh, champions winning season in 2014-15 for PSV, wow. which is quite remarkable. So and he was at NAC. So yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that's that, fantastic. I mean, he'll probably won't be allowed to take as many free kicks and corners as he did at NAC, but he's still uh, good for it. Obviously. No, but he is like he was uh, integral in the open play as well. Um, Ajax and uh, in the meanwhile, not without having been terrible, they haven't really been convincing over over the last few weeks. I would say some cracks in that that robust image Eric Ten Hag was about to build up because last month it seemed like he had basically uh, overrun a lot of his demons uh, but they have come back in a lot of press being quite critical of uh, his re- reluctance to put Donny van de Beek in a team who seems to be a bit of a media darling to be fair mm-hmm. because I don't really see how he would fit in in this team easily mm. um, but the Ajax pace, the pace for Ajax game definitely didn't do him any favours uh, Matthijs de Ligt injured for that one had missed the Champions League game against Ajax uh, Athens as well to be fair which they quite comfortably won but everybody made the big fuzz about there not being a big centre back in that team Weber was there last season and got diminished by Luke De Jong as well so to make, to say well just put a bigger lad in is definitely not the solution but how how, how big a player is the lift for this Ajax team yeah of course uh, he's already the captain he draws the eye when you watch him in the stadium because he's just such a, a big presence um, yeah he is obviously key he's like Van de Beek like everybody raves about him everybody loves him so I think these things all, always become a bit more dramatic one one thing that I found really funny is that this was actually the first time they dropped points with Matthijs de Ligt uh, out, of the, out of the starting 11 ever since he got into the first team uh, which makes it a little less dramatic like they should they shouldn't be playing him according to the stats <laughs> yeah. um but yeah no i completely agree yeah so uh the the problems that they they have lie elsewhere whenever they look they, they looked bad against psv not because they didn't have the left but because they will just run over again basically never really got going um and then they do have problems kind of shifting the gears up a bit against teams like uh, Fortuna and stuff um, you can see do they struggle for pace a bit because mm-hmm. when you look at the team I mean there's there are obviously some, some seasoned internationals in there with uh, Ziyech and Schoen and 
to an extent Huntelaar quite some experience you have Daily Blind in there but I mean in terms of actually going forward with base just like really disrupting the opponent there's not really much there at the moment and teams kind of limit themselves and make a, a central block I guess that makes it uh, a bit more difficult for them to pull at the spaces but when they can't find that when there's no one making the the right moves and and becoming like well making themselves free and attack then they just never really get going and they make stupid decisions uh when you le- when they leave it down to players like Ziyech and stuff yeah because <laughs> it's, well, I mean the, the focus on the, the focus on on Ziyech and Tadic has been enormous obviously because they are two probably the two most creative players in the league but it does kind of make them a bit slower as well because these two like to hog the ball a bit and you don't really see a lot of runs going deep and you don't really see like the the, the players from the back speeding up as much as you mm-hmm. would like and that's partly because Tadic and Ziyech are not the type of players to make those runs themselves either so yeah. and it's restricted other players quite heavily like Neres is, and, and has had to when he's been on has had to adjust his game quite absolutely. heavily and that uh, like against uh, against Athens it was like um, in the second half, they really pushed on and, and started to look more dangerous when they managed, although they were boosted by the early goal, it was when they managed to get uh, Tadic and Ziyech a bit closer, uh, and that was what the build-up for the for the Van de Beek goal was like. Uh, I think it was Tadic played it wide yeah. to Ziyech or the other way around, uh, and then it was whipped in. And when they actually, went, when they started to bring Neres back out of the wing and, and, and move Tadic inside it looked a bit more concentrated uh, and you do kind of wonder why they you do understand why they play like Tadic and Ziyech wide quite often just to so there's more likelihood of it coming inside uh, and there being better movement I guess but it does seem to restrict yeah, because they they, they, clog, they clog it themselves quite a bit. When uh, Frank de Jong is playing in midfield, he tends to, to drop back quite a bit and, and drop in between uh, either Blind and, and Licht or go even to the left of Blind. And you get basically a, a three centre-back kind of setup with mm. Mazzari and Tagliafico being asked to go way forward, even uh, basically playing as inverted backs from time to time, just mm. cutting in. And you're like, well... All, all nice to have like six seven players around that 18 yard box but you do need to find some kind of penetration at one point and that's where they, they seem to be lacking and especially with Hakim Ziyech you don't want to give him the ball uh, 20, 20 yards out without giving him any any obvious options because he will shoot and yeah. not always with success yeah but he is often the, the one who will kind of play that long diagonal pass that will stretch play out when everyone else will tend if they're up against a deep defence, everyone else will just go back and you end up in just purgatory of football, I guess. Um, Gaspar Dolberg came on against Fortuna Sittar, the long-awaited return of, of the, the Danish prince. Um, he took his goal really well. He's, he says he's still um, adjusting to, to well, top football, basically. His body is still struggling with it from time to time. It's understandable after having had one roller coaster season in 2016-17 where he had to play way more than he probably anticipated. Yeah. Um, and he's had like varied injury problems yeah. as well, just like big stretches of uh, just different problems which has hindered them quite heavily. Um but Huntelaar over- overall has has done quite well, but do you think Dolberg can give them a bit of an extra edge because especially against PSV and, and Fortuna, Huntelaar didn't really seem seem up for it. 
Dolberg is more uh, useful, I guess, around the box and outside. He's and he's more likely to create something for himself. Uh, his shooting is is excellent. He he really can score from strange distances, um, but although I don't encourage it, um, but he does he does manage to break to kind of give himself a, a extra room and and um, find spaces more like quicker than than Huntelaar does. Um, or he did when he was when he was fit when he was first in the in the in the first team. But I worry if it will take him some time to really get um, up to fitness and then actually blend in with Tadic and Ziyech because like, things have actually changed quite a lot with how Ajax play since he was really had a really like good run in with the team and was at his best. So I think he will eventually. Um, yeah, he will become a key player here if he manages to stay fat because I think he is I th- I probably think going to be more useful than Huntelaar yeah I think the, the the real luck for him is that he's when you put him through he's he's actually quick enough and, and uh, good enough of a dribbler to, to just manage to stay ahead and, and, and go for the finish whereas with Huntelaar from time to time especially last season to be fair this season he looks a bit more fit than he than he was but he, he lacks the pace to stay ahead of, of the defenders um, but with Tadish and Ziyech uh, and, and Neres being able to make that run as well, you definitely want another player to, to just anticipate those runs and he, he would be perfect for that. And, and hopefully also it allows them to um, add a bit more intricacy to how they attack in, in the centre. Like he can uh, play balls for Ziyech and Tadic to actually encourage them to go into better positions. Yeah. Um, I don't, maybe he, I don't know, but and he tends to be quite good in the in the bigger games as well because of that. Because I mean, especially against PSV, you you kind of miss that that type, I think. And um, um, from memory, I'd say he's he definitely scored against Feyenoord a couple of times uh, in 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 these games as well. And he's obviously done well in the Europa League run two years ago. So talking about Feyenoord, Feyenoord are third as well. Not really what one expected from uh, from them after after the f- the first month uh, of the season where they basically lost it all. Now it's seven points from three really difficult games with uh, Vitesse AZ and Utrecht. It's it's quite amazing to see them see them up there with Ajax because the the whole vibrancy around the two is, is quite different than that Ajax are seen as definite title contenders and and possible Champions League knockout round players as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, is there any other reason than Fine or it's magic man Robin van Persie that that they're there. It's hard to pick one. Um, I mean, this game was a good example of it. The game against Vitesse because uh, they were so bad. I felt ineffective in attack for the first probably seventy minutes, and after Thomas Bruns's red card was when they actually picked up. But they still weren't creating anything really fantastic, and it was van Persie's free kick. Uh, which I had some criticism of Eduardo over, um, but it was a, just a superb strike. Eight seven minutes to to make it two one, and even up until that point, it was there was a feeling that I mean Vitesse had just one good chance after in the second half. But yeah, you wonder how final just have to have these sort of moments like Van Per, and it's it's always Van Persie at the moment um, because the best attacker other than him was probably or the most. Uh, threatening attacker other than him was like Botteheen, <laughs> yeah. and he scored obviously. He scored, yeah. but like they 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 weren't really creating 
anything fantastic. And in the first half, there was no real plan to Feyenoord's attack. They would play themselves into Vitesse's wall, and it was all hopeful more than it was anything like dangerous. Uh, you would get Van Persie really struggling to to link up with with anybody, especially Dylan Venter, who was uh, kept um, out the box most of the time. He then couldn't really make anything, and. Um, Feyenoord were just a bit slow and by the time they managed to get up to Vitesse's half they had backed off them enough to, to just have a, a two centre-backs who could just deal with everything that came at them and Feyenoord just weren't good at picking their, their moments or when to play it forward and when to cross, when to pass into the middle uh, it was really easy for, for Vitesse to, to read it it wasn't until they went down to 10 men that things really started to change and as I say, Feyenoord's defining moments were not exactly you know convincing of a team that you would say oh yeah this is a, a team that's that's really going to endanger those top two teams and I thought it was another example of yeah Vitesse are probably as good as them yeah well, I mean I think in general that there are just two players at Feyenoord that make the difference uh, although I, I should mention Botoguin for scoring the goal and basically diminishing the striker options of two of their nearest rivals in the last few games by taking out well you couldn't really blame him for it can you Myron Bodu uh, mm. yeah, for a few months and Timotas the same very unlucky for Botoguin uh, although I can imagine Feyenoord fans not being bothered about it uh, but yeah I mean Stefan Berghuis should be the one that 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 helps the team out uh, when Robin van Persie will be injured or suspended um, and otherwise it's it's obviously still van Persie scored six goals in his first seven games of the season or in the first seven league games of the season which is a remarkable return and for for a guy that's 35 year old with such an injury record few tough seasons behind him it's really quite remarkable to see how he's dominating the league but he picked up a red card against Vitesse for a for a, a sliding tackle uh, in from behind uh, to Mark Clark, Max Clark he got a two game ban three game actually with one conditional uh, but he said he's um, objecting to it which might mean he misses uh, at least the Vidim Tve in the Pexavola game uh, but also uh, the Klassiker because that's mm. the third game in, in, in the list and you don't at the moment you don't really see Feyenoord being able to rely on Stefan Berghuis to make a difference in to be fair any of those games it's going to be really quite tough they'll, they'll undoubtedly like get past Willem and or Peck but it's 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 a very it's turning into a very tricky month yeah. one slight uh, up, uh, upturn could be the return of Nikolai Jorgensen um, who hasn't been in great form for well, what is it? 18 months now? Uh, well, 18 months is probably a bit harsh, but at least 14, 15 months. But uh, he could he could make a difference, and you do feel that for Stephen Berghuis, it's it, it would be a, a great help to have a, an actual striker of a certain level there. Yeah, yeah, but without Van Persie, there's, I mean, he played in attacking midfield in this game, I guess. Without him, the midfield is kind of disrupted further because they don't have that you know, decisive attack inside of it, but you could see against like Vitesse, it wasn't really a big problem against Utrecht. But there's a bit. Villena's been a bit blunted in his attacking uh, threat, but defensively, he and Classy just really get lost. They either just lose their man completely or they don't know who to track. He gave up a few chances against uh, Vitesse. And if they don't have that something, the attacking 
threat of it to balance that out and they don't actually fix it I get, uh, without Van but they don't bring in that defensive stability without Van Persie uh, when they well, when they don't have him they're going to be doubly weakened I guess because yeah you don't have the you, as well as being just fragile def- uh, defensively through there you've got no attacking impetus yeah because I mean in the end when you look at the team at the moment despite the results you still feel that they're defensively searching for a good shape attacking attacking wise they're looking for a good shape and we, when you actually look at players coming in and out it's it's really not like everybody has significant experience in the squad with the squad so it's really just quite mind-blowing why they're still struggling to find any kind of form because it, it, it still isn't clear to to both you and me what their playing style is or what their idea is because couple of years ago uh, they probably had that uh, strategy of just getting the ball out to the flanks and just whipping it in and th- that was very effective but at the moment it's just it's basically like they've got no idea what they're what they're doing except for Van Persie obviously yeah who always knows what he's doing a- a- apart from when he's sliding tackling someone um, so f- yeah for Feyenoord things are looking a bit bleak um, Heracles though joined second with Ajax and Feyenoord and probably the, the least expected of all before the season we were quite skeptical about their their chances this this season because there was quite some change going on but in the end they haven't really used many new players it's quite familiar still mm. and Frank Wormuth seems to have done an excellent job because uh, well at least Christopher Peterson is is flying yeah he's deadly I mean they have those two uh, deadly wingers uh, and and the, they are dangerous in different ways, and well, both of them scored in this game. Yeah, they scored against them, and uh, Christopher Peterson scored, I think, in each of his uh, in six of his seven games so far. So yeah. it's it's really incredible and good finishes as well. Finally, living up to the hype, uh, former Liverpool um, youth player, obviously, and uh, Brendan Kubas having some disagreements uh, with his manager over if he should start every game it seems or at least how he should play every game but quite eager to prove his, his worth and he did that in this game uh, played against Emin in their most recent um, fixture 2-1 win in general Ilkas look look quite solid though it's it's remarkable to see how, how well they've done do you think that it's something that we can count on continuing or do you expect them to have a similar fall of like Bex had last year who were fourth by the winter break and then turned out to become the worst team in the league I do think that they I do think it is more than just a uh, like burst of well, you know good luck and stuff they actually do seem to be a well drilled team yeah, they but do have a mix of things like the midfield is, is quite decent at linking things up I think they, are, they actually do have a kind of a decent team ethic going on there with how they attack and, and defend. They seem to have a, a few more weapons in their arsenal than Peck Zavala did last season because I think with Peck it was mainly just being found out at one point where, where other teams were like, well, we know how you play now and we, we've seen how other teams anticipate on it and we'll just copy that or uh, consider that when uh, when building up to this game. And with Heracles, you're like, well, they have uh, Vincent Vermey on the bench is a completely different type of striker than Andrian Dalmau is. They've got Danilo Santos uh, on the bench as well, who can change the game if he's up for it. It's basically a, a carbon copy by Darry in terms of being 
independable but still very very good when he's at it uh, and they've got several of those options just throughout the whole uh throughout the whole team and i think it's it's remarkable how how well put together the squad is and i mean we were i'd say skeptical about taking a gamble on so many unknown players uh, from from lower leagues where you're not really sure uh what you what you can expect from them but and to be fair so far the carrying players have been the players that already were there but yeah uh, they've done a really sound job so far. And well, the thing with uh, Pictwalla is that they are in, amid their decline. They've had, you can see, um, it's just really slow players that are like often behind the 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 pace of the game and stuff, and also a, a lack of uh, some sort of they they really can't recover for these things when when players get caught out. Whereas at Heracles, there is it's more of a yeah, they're not. They are, although they are, they have some players carrying the heavy lifting. They do move the ball around well. They do have a decent shape to them defensively that allows them to, to even get scrappy when they need to, like against Adel Den Haag. Um, and to an extent against Emin as well. I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, yeah, they they are a, um, a good team at the moment. So. And and quite happy to see uh, a foreign coach doing well because the previous German experiment in the Peter Ibala didn't really. Um, well, yeah, even though he made an impression, like yeah, he still it still didn't. Well, people were so happy to see him fail basically because <laughs> he represented something that's not really traditional um, in a footballing sense, and to have a guy that that's been part of the German DFB Renaissance. Hopefully not the wrong part of the Renaissance, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, because he spent a long time at Germany under twenties and twenty ones, yeah. And he seems, a, I mean, he seems quite a class act too, which I really appreciate. Because one thing I, I really liked was um, during the Emmen game, was that um, a ball went out and Heracles were um, uh, needed to set up defensively because Emmen had the ball. And usually you see some coaches being a bit annoying like just keep holding the ball or just uh being just leaving it and just trying to draw a bit of time and he was like oh, just just half it just <laughs> go on and play and it didn't cause like a, a big m and chance or anything but i thought it was quite um well gentlemanly <laughs> to put like that um here class in uh, in joint second still fourth on goal difference also means that az are currently um, out of the top four quite disappointing i think in general there i mean marin bodu uh, probably the biggest story of, of the month um broken ankle second big injury in, in in over a year did look good as far as uh, yeah. as what we've seen from him still yeah, still devastating when he when he got taken yeah out. it was really brutal already had an had an assist in that game as well and he came off after 12 minutes and it's um yeah, the the Kelvin Stengs Myron Bodo connection is one we still have to await because Stengs is uh, he's back on a training training pitch, but these are two of the talents that we expect a lot from. Yeah. Um, in general, Azet's attack still held together by Sam Idrisi, who's looked quite good. But in general, it's Azet's defense that that c- catches the eye most. It's really really odd to see a team build up so well and have so much talent in all, all positions, and then. To see on flower still <laughs> strutting his stuff in that centre back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing because he, yeah, he surrendered the points to them. He almost gave uh, Pickford the lead right after their uh, first equaliser, 
both times giving it to Mike Van Dyke. Well, yeah, he's just he step he overcommits to things when he he steps up to the ball and he is too slow to notice when to start running back and also to actually get back on time. So he he is a one who uh, creates a lot of danger against AZ more well, than for them. And well, t- I mean, to be fair, I don't think it's even a case of him creating the danger. It's more that if when the when the organization f- just falls apart a bit or whenever there is a mistake, he's the one that suffers from it more than any other player because he doesn't have the, the pace or the mobility or, or even the agility to, to make up for it. And he, he isn't like... Um, like he isn't strong enough either to just win every duel like he used to. So he's 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 basically just well gone to to an extent. And yeah, but he he is also a danger to the system itself, and that he's he's really bad in one on ones a lot of the time. And as soon as he gets taken out, they everything goes out of sync. They they immediately are kind of. It's an absolute shame they didn't get Philip Sander last last winter because he I haven't heard from him since he might even not be alive anymore, uh, but ever since he joined Manchester City he's not really been anywhere near the first team obviously. Yeah, but I was expected. Yeah, but you would like to see him play and he'd probably fit the mold there uh, quite well, at least better than Ron Flair does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're in fifth. I've had uh, quite a few of the the bigger teams already as well. Um, but Ajax coming up uh, soon, so that'll be a huge test. Next game, isn't it? Is that Ajax? Yeah, I think so. So that, that'll that be, well, basically the end of their aspirations for finishing top two, at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's they, they've basically taken it a step too far at the moment, you'd say, with Jan Baksh and Weghorst gone, and now they don't really have any special player in, in the team maybe apart from Idris who I think has, has really developed well over the last few months but mm. uh, yeah um, well I'm not as down on them as that I think they do have uh, they don't have yeah they don't have like superstars uh, other than uh, probably Idris but they do have really good um, hard working players who like Teal who can you know, just keep going. The fullbacks, I think, add a lot to what they do. Um, uh, Goodmanson is is probably yeah. I'm, I'm really, really happy with Goodmanson. Uh, yeah, a really big threat for them. So it's just about um, making the right sort of combinations with these players to keep them going. But yeah, and, and um, I think I think Mitche has hasn't has been quite disappointing this season so far. At times, he's been alright in some games, but yeah, he's. Yeah. No, to be fair, maybe he's a bit nervous because Owen Flares behind him all the time. <laughs> yeah. And Cope Miners as well. I really like him the way he ties things together in midfield. I think he is a big part of that. He's one who likes to go forward uh, and bring some sort of vertical. Unless I'm heavily misreading his game, but <laughs> seen he does uh, he does pick decent times to go forward and find like well Bodu when he was fit and Idrissi as well in the half spaces as they call them. Are you going all fancy on me, Peter? Um, no, I, I completely agree, but I do think that, I mean, it seems like they've just lost too much to recover from uh, this season compared to the last few seasons where they were uh, either third or fourth, and you don't really see that happening at the moment for them. So do you think Vitesse have got just too much to them? to? They well, the, do you think they'll be the ones to push final for it more so than AZ? 
Well, uh, as uh, I mean, as we mentioned, Timotovs has broken his, his leg uh, against Feyenoord. So, I mean, that's a really big blow for, for the team because he, he basically scores all the goals for them, especially with Brian Lintz not being in the greatest of form either. In general, though, Vitesse seemed to have a really uh, well, really even squad in terms of, of, of players. I mean, they don't really have a backup striker, but they have Thomas Boutink, who is a big talent that they have a lot of faith in. Will be really interesting to see the Algerian striker Darfalo uh, mm. up up top for them because he'll probably get a a chance. Uh, but in general, yeah, Vitesse seemed to be a bit more rounded, and you, I mean, you kind of when you look at that front line with Linz and uh, Behrens and well, Mister X, because we don't really know who, who who the striker will be. You you expect them to be a bit more clinical than what AZ has, and I think I really like the look of Jay Clark Salter in uh, in sent sent central defense in general they just have um, a bit more experience and a bit more ruggedness to them you'd say and uh, Matis Bero mm. uh, he adds a lot of threat from his runs in the center it's basically um, basically a Slovakian or a Slovenian I'm not sure which one uh, who's still for them mm. that does score goals yeah well yeah uh, I mean he was responsible well not responsible for the goal but uh Behrens against uh, final Behrens kind of beat three defend four they had four defenders around him and sh- managed to create the space to cross it and then Bero beats St Just who never has an eye on him for the header um, but then later on he oh then he he scores after a, another shot but later on he uh, he had their best chance um, and I did kind of wonder I did worry about how disconnected they were at times against Feyenoord he, like. Uh, they would mess about with the ball deep in their own half and not really have enough movement around them to, or actually everybody else was too far up to for them to really find a, a decent way to carry the ball all the way up the pitch. They, they ended up just losing it halfway quite a lot. Well, I think I think I think that's the main point with this Vitesse. At the moment, you are still struggling to find out what their actual game plan is, or not what their game plan is, because they've had a game plan more than a playing style over, over mm-hmm. the first few months. But to be fair, when you look at the teams they've played so far, it's they've really had a, a horrendous start to the season in terms of of the strength of the teams they face. In in Feyenoord being one of them, uh, they've had Ajax already, AZ. Um, Added in Haag here in Veen, Groningen and Utrecht, I think. So it's it's really been fairly tough fixtures. So they'll probably get a few easy games to just make up make amends, and they're only three points behind AZ. They're seven points behind Heracles, Ajax, and Feyenoord. So there's still plenty of them uh, to make make up, but it'll be challenging because Matovs has been their main goal threat, and he's he's not going to be around for a few months at least. So they'll probably have to wink at. Roman Abramovich and say, well, that Spanish fellow over there that can't score a goal for you, can we hire him for six <laughs> months? Um, that would be great. Vitas, uh, fairly bland till now, but there are quite some clubs that are caliente, but not in a good way because they're basically on fire. Utrecht probably being uh, one of the, the main ones, uh, 16th in the table, uh, first team to sack their coach. Not really nice words for Jean-Paul Lyon, who had one of the most uh, confusing explanations for, for his earlier role change, but didn't really have anything to offer here. But the club basically stated, well, we've tried because he's a club legend, but he's 
not good at his job and we just want to get rid completely pointless venture the whole thing and then and then it turned out they didn't have a backup yeah for him we actually we actually might have discussed this yeah because that went a bit crazy yeah i was like what what is this this is ridiculous and then they admitted on their website yeah we don't have any idea what's going to happen next after they had fight on the day that they had filed uh, De yeah, I think I think I think he actually might have been fired at the day of the re- previous yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we hoped for Peter Boss, but Peter Boss was like, "I'm not getting into this." Hell <laughs> no. And Frank de Boer said the same, and then five other options said the same, and then they thought, "Well, we might as well just get De Gasfacat to yeah. solve our issues." If he had said no, they probably would have hired De Jong back. Yeah, well, I mean, it would have come full circle. Um, but yeah, I mean. The club looks a mess. When you look at the games they've played so far, uh, seven games, six points, I think. One win, three draws, three losses. It's even under Dick Advocat. I mean, they held fine or t- uh, till nil nil, I think, uh, until the 80th minute or so. Yeah, but nothing really, never really threatened them. No real. No, and and, and the Groningen game uh, from last weekend did show some improvement uh, going forward, but. Um, I mean, still, it wasn't overly encouraging, and and the club at the moment is it, it's so weird to see the whole squad and then consider how big of a mess um, their current situation is because we we have, we have said before we do like the squad. I mean, it was quite curious to see them without strikers against throwing, and especially considering they have serial dessers in their squad. Uh, Makianok is there. Uh, I think Nick Feynman has quite an interesting talent. Whenever I see him for the young Utrecht team in the secondaries, he seems quite lively. Um, and it's it's such a strange squad. There's such obvious talent in there, and yet they don't seem to be um, be able to really construct a decent game plan. And they lack creativity, which I find find quite uh, quite surprising when you have Gustafsson and Van Overheem in your starting eleven. And they don't really. It doesn't really come from the from the fullbacks either. Whereas under Ten Hag, Kleiber was more. Where Sean Kleiber was more of a uh, right back who could pick out a few, put a few decent balls in. Uh, they don't really have it coming from wing back positions either. Emmanuelson um, hasn't been looking really good for them either. I don't think. So, yeah, they are just a bit all over the place at the moment you do feel with Utrecht if they get a, uh, a good week of training uh, international break coming up soon they don't have as many international that many internationals anyway they've got decent enough options in a lot of positions and it's just about finding the, the right um, well, formation for them because that's been a big worry so far um, they faced a team in crisis as well and you'd kind of I mean Utrecht Will probably be uh, be standing in the shoes of many other teams in the Eredivisie, but most definitely not Froningens, who don't have the same um, same talent in the squad, but have uh, a, a similar kind of um, well poisonous atmosphere around the club. A couple of red cards against AZ basically sparked the, sparked the whole situation to a whole new level. They were bottom uh, of the table after match day six. Um, their captain stepped up by getting in a fight um, on the train because he um, was rumored to have had a few drinks after the AZ game that they lost 1-3 decided to take the train home then was checked for his ticket didn't have a valid ticket decided to well, kick up a fuzz or maybe the uh, 
the, the train people that I'm not really sure. But then he spent the night in jail because he was arrested for it. And um, he decided to well hand in his captaincy, which is probably the wise thing to do in such a position. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But and then they lost in the cup against FC Twente at home, so that wasn't really great either. But yeah, it's typical Northerners. That's all I'll say. Well, they're, they're, I mean, I think I think Northerners in most countries are usually just miserable, but <laughs> this is in a whole new level. Um, but the, the, I mean, for Denny Bouse, a, a, a starting manager, probably really excited to get a chance at, at a club that he's played at before as well. Um, one of his sons is still a fan of the club as well. I mean, I'm not sure how that has evolved now, but he was in ahead of the season. But looking at that team, and especially going forward, there's so little to work with. Do you think that he can salvage anything of this situation and do you think that the club can salvage anything well yeah it, it depends on what you mean by salvaging I mean do you think that they are in danger of being relegated I mean, at this point I, I still would kind of back them to find a way out of any problems eventually but um, you have to look you have to look at this team and wonder like what can you actually expect of them <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they are going to just completely buckle from here and no, and, I, and end up stuck to to the bottom. But you find it difficult to to find a way to say, yeah, they can end this season quite happy with. Yeah, the the best they can probably do is just get out of the bottom three, and then anything they're not going to finish far up enough to actually have anything to play for I guess so they well, that, that would, they, do the look, they do look like a, a kind of strand, team that's going to be stranded in mid-table mid obscurity I guess by the end of the well I mean I think in general the, the problem is that um, that they'd probably be happy with that now just yeah, to, to get there and, and, and just to see your season just well basically getting void of any hope within eight games is, is quite something and I think before the season uh, the hopes were quite high of at least having some some decent uh, games and a decent start to the season and, and, and the club has really done a lot to build that idea up and uh, uh, general director Hans Nijland who a lot of supporters want out um, mm. didn't really help by saying well we need to basically ensure we fill stadiums uh, through our games in August well like what do you what do you what do you think boys should do? Is there anything that you can do to fix them as they are now? I mean, you were at the game. I think his his options in attack are really limited because Mimun Mahi and Matteo Cachera, who both haven't been in great form this year anyway, uh, are are injured and are quite prone to injury as well. So I I don't I don't think he can help he can help himself. I mean, it's it's really tough. But just in general, you do wonder like for a team like Kroningen to, to get a young manager and then to take all kinds of gambles by getting rid of Van Weert and Jesper Dost, uh, getting well creating that kind of conflict as well, uh, which was initiated by Denny Baus. Uh, just as a reminder, Tom Van Weert scored 10 plus legals in the three of the last four seasons, which is decent-ish. And they basically substituted him for a Danish striker, an unproven player. Um, that in Denmark themselves they said well we don't really understand why he, why he's going because he's not good enough and he's looked dreadful so far and I think that is kind of kind of um, uh, well a, a sign of how 
terribly run Hroning and R at the moment because you can't like you you do kind of the one bright spot in that team is probably Ritsu Doan or Leeds yeah. Doan I should say who's been uh, in the in the in the 40, uh, 40 nominees golden for the Golden Boy Award and he looks really frustrated looks really annoyed they basically came out saying well we've rejected a really big bid in the offer that apparently exceeded 10 million euros and they if they want if they need to fix their squad halfway through the season because things are going terrible they need to let them go anyway maybe even for a cut price so i mean it's yeah you have to wonder like what he's thinking i mean he probably thought oh yeah i can get a uh decent like per- permanent transfer to the Eredivisie for a while and really improve uh, like my technique and things it's a good league for a, for a player like me and then all of a sudden realises he's picked the absolute worst Eredivisie <laughs> <laughs> ways to do that uh, he could have picked anyone else and he would have would have been uh, better off I guess uh, maybe, we maybe it's the time maybe it's the ideal for, time for him to shine but I, I, he, he's fighting against the tide and that team to to yeah, pick absolutely. out something that he really needs other really good players around him to to play off of and and make things for. Yeah, and um, and, and to and be fair, like I mean, the, the next few games will probably cause a bit of frustration as well. They've got Arden Haag away. I think they've got Heracles away after that, and then PSV at home. So, so no points. No points. Because Arden Haag, I don't know. maybe is one that they can get something from, but. Even they're kind of scrapping it. They're sheer um, Wichtlust. Yeah, <laughs> they're like immense fighting spirit. We could probably just uh, overpower, overpower Groningen, and and just end up making that one that they grind something out of from a, a narrow. Ado Den Haag grind something out of and, and get something but I, mean, I don't know it's hard to say whether that game f- suits Groningen or works against them and if it I works mean, the big, against them they'll boggle the biggest problem of Groningen have at the moment is that for their opponents one goal is quite likely enough to get a result uh, and Groningen haven't scored over a goal in any game this season which which is really quite telling so for Ado Den Haag it's just a case of just getting lucky one time and they're there Rolling is basically the other way around. It's like if if they even get lucky enough to score a goal, uh, it's going to be a, a hell of a task to, to keep the goals out. Mm-hmm. So um, it uh, and all in all, I think it, it's looking quite quite bad for them. And if that game ends a draw, a score draw, it will be other than Hach will have actually created both goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, quite likely. <laughs> Maybe Bergel's that goal. Stick one in. Um, however. Uh, things might look bleak at Froningen, but uh, are not Breda at the moment the absolute contenders for relegation? Mm-hmm. Talking about teams that struggle, I mean, last season they were pretty much lost for fielding Angelino and Manu Garcia. Umar Sadiq was quite fun as well. I heard he's yeah. he's, he's a bit of a he's having a bit of a tough time at, at Rangers at the moment. But uh, Rangers are having a bit of a tough time at Rangers at the moment. Oh. Apart from the <laughs> game. But uh, well, I, yeah, I quite liked. Uh, well, Sadiq had flashes where he looked okay last season. Um, he only played about twelve games, I think, and yeah. towards the end of the season, drifted out of the team, which he always seems to do. So uh, it's hard to say how big of a, a, a an addition he would have been this season if they managed to keep him. Although I, I actually did hope that they would have. But uh, yeah, they they've well, they've kind of 
downgraded, I guess, a bit in the team from last season, would you say? Oh, quite a fair bit, yeah. I mean, they, they look... They look... Well, I, I mean, the point is, and we'll get to that a bit later, I mean, you, you're always looking for a few players that can dig you out of a hole in a team, and you op- quite, op- quite often see at least one or two players at basically every team or at every level. And um, as we mentioned, that Trono, you at least have Doan or maybe hope that Kashera will come through or you have Mahi finding form, Sergio Pod being a decent enough goalkeeper. Utah have plenty of those players anyway, obviously. But for Nog Breda, you just struggle to see who will make that type of difference. And the, the one they probably have to rely on is either Mikhail Rosshoff, who has been battling uh, relegation for years now, or Mitchell Defrede. Uh, and probably the two connecting with one being a decent enough dribbler and crosser and one being a decent-ish target man. But that's uh, that's all they have. And it's well, a better parallel than Groningen and Utrecht would be Nack and VVV. VVV have more of a that kind of presence, that kind of a couple of players who can change a game, can change a game like that. Yeah. And Nack Breda, and they're probably closer, I would say. But do you, um, but do you they're think f- they're doing fine? But Nack Breda, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't really hold any hope for Nagbreda at the moment. They've sacked their uh, s- their sporting director and their general director. I think took uh, uh, well, basically took responsibility for it and decided to leave as well. And it's it's quite typical of of Nak and it's it's hard it's heartwarming to see that against PSV a game which they probably don't have any hope of getting a result in. Uh, they still really show up as both as a crowd and as a team. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it. quite quite unlucky not to I mean not to get anything is probably a bit a bit over the top, but I think I think they held PSV quite well in the first half. Um so yeah, it's I, I, I think things are looking quite bleak for Nuck. And I do like to like for them to stay up. Uh but I can't really see any teams. Well, I mean if there's any team it probably is the Gaskha but Vinte. Uh lend them a hand in the weekend to get at least three points I mean three teams that have tough times but Nagbreda is the one that you most definitely think that will still be there in in a, in a few months yeah yeah but it, it's, to be fair you do get the they will maybe have a chance in January to uh, add a couple of players that will kind of bail them out because it's probably there are a lot of uh, sloppy teams down there that might that will probably stay within touching distance by the turn of the year. Mm-hmm. I think is is generally what happens in anything. Yeah, as, just as well as like a Pigs Waller can start really well in the first half of the season and then just decline. You can get like a like a De Sharp yeah two years ago type quick turnaround to get off the bottom or yeah end up getting a off place and where Fites have, uh, have have the option to look at Abramovich for stuff Nag may look to City and say well that Fabian Del fella he's not <laughs> half bad <laughs> he doesn't seem to be doing anything <laughs> Phil Foden you say oh that's all <laughs> well let's 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 talk uh, about a few of the more uplifting things in the league than Groningen Utrecht or Nag Breda um, because you mentioned VVV they've been really stir- st- um, sturdy so far uh, only Ajax and PSV have uh, conceded fewer goals. It's it's really quite remarkable what, what Mauri Stein has done there and how how his time at VVV has completely reshaped his image as a as a manager. Because when he was at Den Haag, nobody ever really thought the world of him. When he left, Hank Fraser took over and immediately improved the team. But 
even in, in last weekend's uh, loss against Excelsior, I mean, defensively they seem so incredibly solid, and, and that'll probably carry them through uh, to another season in the Eredivisie, you'd say. Is there any any particular aspect in that team that you that you do rate of a higher quality? Because you mentioned that you don't think that they have any special weapons, but apart from maybe a few, they do have um, Patrick Yostin. Uh, who hasn't really cemented himself up a, a, a spot yet, but I still rate as someone who um, has the energy and the kind of invasive way around him that he will be able to pick out a few teams. Sunchins, I think, is a decent player, and um, Antino Susic has been really good for them. Yeah, as well. Susic, um, Opoku, Opoku, yeah, has been. He's got a, a dangerous edge to him as well, so. It is generally about being able to free some of those players up and 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 find spaces, but they 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 generally do have trouble creating enough space. Uh, you could see that in the loss to Excelsior, um, which I was kind of unexpected for me. Uh, even though Excelsior were at home, I kind of expected VVB. To and they have the most versatile physiotherapist in the world as their manager, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Key for them also is Unostal. I think Unostal is a decent shortstop or a decent goalkeeper. Um, he had a good game against Ajax a few weeks ago, uh, even though they lost that game, obviously. Um, and generally, has be, he's, he does make a lot of saves and is a calm and kind of guy. And for a team in that uh, of that level... Like that is so valuable because all other teams in the Eredivisie of around that level are always have really bad goalkeepers. I mean, Pexvola are being, you know, weighed down heavily by uh, their goalkeeper, and that's something that all that generally is always a problem for a lot of teams. But I think Unostal is one who is a is a solid kind of one for them to rely on. Yeah, and that whole that whole defense seems to be really quite well drilled. Uh, I mean, players like Gerald Promes and Moreno Rota never seen much more than Erste Divisi top top half Erste Divisi players, and now seem to be um, all coming along quite well. Uh, you mentioned Pexvola. I mean, is there is there one player that can can bail out his manager as much as Peter van Kooy? No, the guy's a guy's a sensation. He uh, he creates his own sort of chances. He's really quick uh he's a good dribbler and he he just kind of gets the ball midway through the opponent's half and just goes for them and looks for plays with his head up looking to shoot from somewhere or you know create something and he's been he's been decisive uh van downen is looking like a, a you know your standard pexvola type player uh, striker who's effective without being sensational um and yeah, he almost put them ahead against uh, AZ just after he scored. Um, so yeah, those two are, are the ones that they need to really add a lot to them. It's a shame that they don't have Ryan Thomas. I think he would have been a, a really good part of that team, actually. I think he would have fit in quite well with them because he was playing, obviously, in towards the centre and maybe would have been good behind uh, Van Downen and, and playing with uh, Vito van Kroy, so... I, they, I mean, they still have the makings of 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 a, of a top half team. I mean, their their defense and goalkeeper is 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 a really big worry. But like, just in terms of of, of like footballing talent, there's quite a lot. Derek Lehmans has been 
decent dash. I mean, he's not been great yet, but Vitam Vakoya seems to be really freed up compared to his time at VVV, uh, which kind of makes sense when we just discussed VVV being quite restrictive um, in their options going forward. And, and I mean, it's quite remarkable his way is still there. So you kind of expect Pexvola to, to, at one point, when they sort out their defense, just, just um, well move up the table a bit more yeah I think and I think yeah that defence is key I mean a lot of their players are just a lot of their defensive players are just a bit too slow at times and can really get sold on one on ones or just passed around too easily and, and they just give up that space and the goalkeeper just does nothing but add to the, to their own danger really <laughs> as far as I can tell he basically gave AZ the goals I think at the weekend yeah especially definitely. Tills um, but yeah, that was literally handed on a plate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and it was, he made more trouble for them than that as well. Not just the ones that they did score from, and that that's his. Uh, even though he's had promise for for the couple of years in the early years of his career, it's just there's a a recklessness to him and a, a strange kind of hazard this yeah but i mean i, I mean the, the one the one thing that i've i've always been surprised about and we've discussed it on the podcast quite a few times is if you if you somehow establish yourself as a goalkeeper um and get a few games under your belt you, you're just set for the rest of your career yeah. and mickey from the hard will probably just bounce around the air to easy maybe some foreign leagues as well get some games here and there drop to the bench then get a new chance so i mean he it's, it's especially because he has those few years in the Ajax youth yeah, system absolutely. to his CV so uh, immediately gives him some kind of weight I suppose um, in, in, in that um, same category for me is Werner Hahn who I think has looked really terrible for Heeren Fein in general Heeren Fein just looking at that team it, it it's void of any like real quality which is I mean they've, they've downgraded so so quickly over the last few years when you look at that team do you expect them to finish in the top half of the table still, or is it all downhill from here? With here in the vein, they've rather been lucky than unfortunate uh, being in the position where they are now because they've looked really poor in, in quite a few games. Yeah, yeah, they don't have any of the the threat that they did have. I mean, they obviously lost. Uh, they don't have Odegaard anymore. Uh, he's gone to Vitesse. They lost Denzel Dumfries, who I thought was a, a really was really good for them, marauding down the the right side. And um, yeah, it's all kind of down to like Vlap and um, and Vlap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there isn't really. Yeah, it has been a constant downgrade, as you say, and. You don't really see anything to them that's going to bring them back up. There's nothing spectacular to them. In general, it's quite interesting. Like when you when you look at the Eredivisie at the moment, you're you're almost more banking on Heracles and Pex Vola establishing themselves as as like top half table perennial finishers, and with Groningen and Heerenveen following away went to go and go into the um, Eerste Divisie this summer as well. It's it's quite interesting. You see, you do see some kind of weird shift here and there. Um, last player I do want to mention before we wrap this up is is Andrea Novakovic at Fortuna Sittard because he did really well at Telstar last season. He's on loan from Reading again, and uh, now at Fortuna Sittard, and he's really been their difference maker. Um, do you think he's going to keep them up? I do. I do have 
good faith in him. I I really like his um, all roundedness. He seems to be really comfortable with several playing styles, and I think Fortuna Sitter have been surprisingly decent, especially over the la- in the first few games. You felt that they might actually just get battered all of the time. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean they're. But uh, I think last month you were a bit worried about them already. Yeah, but na- but now but now I'm, I'm a bit more optimistic. Whereas with the Graafschap, I'm really fearing for them, even though they won this weekend. So that's that's quite odd. Uh, but just in general, I think uh, the Graafschap. I think for me, the Graafschap, not Breda, and uh, to be fair, when you have to point out a third team, you do venture close to Fortuna Sitter again, don't you? Froningen. Froningen, yeah. Um, no, but in, in, it's it's going to be a really big big battle at the at the bottom this this year. So really interesting to see how that um, develops. But I think for for Tunisia to have a recognized goal scorer like Andrea Novakovic compared to to for example um, the Graafschap will likely make a big difference. Yeah. When will Emin start to build themselves up trouble again? I think if. Because it's their game. Oh yeah, definitely. They yeah. play Fortuna next week, so that game could be, or this week coming, sort of, I think. So. Um, yeah, I mean, they need to step it up uh, a bit. I think against Heracles they looked um, shell shocked in the first thirty or forty minutes, but I do admire their their ability to dig themselves out of a hole in the game, which they which they did. I mean, in, in the end, they did have a few good chances, but you do see that Emin just lack like quality more than anything to just um go toe to toe with the with the better teams in the league but i don't think that they're expecting to get a result away against the flying here because anyway but yeah fortuna and emin will be a emin fortuna as well yeah will be a really big game that's definitely a one one for me to watch though i'm the other sunday game i'll 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 be working it anyway so well, I think we've covered most of the September glory, and um, we'll talk about October and November, as we do. Um, enjoy talking to you, Peter. Um, yeah, it was great fun. And as I hope always. everybody enjoyed listening to it as well. Um, Definitely well, not. <laughs> no, but you made it till, till here, so that's an <laughs> accomplishment. We'll be back next month, um, unless something spectacular happens, and then we'll just swoop in with a quick report um i've been your host michael youngsma peter mcfitty has been here as always thank you very much tot ziens tot ziens